La 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 la. And we're back. It's time. College basketball eve. Yeah, it's like Christmas eve. Yeah, I, yep, that's why I said But better. Eve. <laughs> not quite as drunk, less tears, not yep. enough fighting in my family. Yeah, not as much yeah. disappointment. Yeah. Daddy <laughs> didn't drink all the presents this year. <laughs> it, it took us how many months to regain our bankroll? What, five, six, six seven months to, to get our bankroll back? Anyway, welcome to season three. I didn't think we'd make it to episode three, but uh, since the three notched keeps rolling, so will we, right, boys? That's right. Let's do Cheers. it. As long as we have a sponsor. Here's what's on the agenda. If you're ag- a small business in the southeast, <laughs> the Atlantic seaboard, give us a ring. Here's what's on the agenda for tonight's inaugural preview episode. We did some off-season pods, but this is the real deal, folks. Uh, we're talking to Ken Pomroy right off the bat. He is our special guest, honorary guest. Any other names? He's I mean, a recurring guest. He's kind of like the godfather of our podcast. He's been and I with mean us that, through the beginning. Not in the organized crime sense, but in the like familial, like going into church, Catholic mass kind of godfather sense. That's fair enough. And yeah. then we're going to go on to a team run through. We're going to talk about the top five, our top fives, then maybe do player accolades for preseason all ACC, but I'm hesitant since last year I got burned by Austin Nichols and Harry Giles, (laughs) so I'm a little bit timid right now, Uh, but whatever. Uh, Maybe I'll strike gold this year, and maybe you guys will too. Uh, We'll look at duels. That's our theme for this podcast preview. That's how we're going to break down the ACC. We're going to talk about who's in the cellar. Is it BC? Is it Pitt? Who owns the Commonwealth of Virginia this season? I think that's a one-word answer, which should give you a hint if you caught that that drift. We'll go into Duke UNC, Tobacco Road. We'll go into Louisville, Miami, the Adidas Implication Special, and then uh, (laughs) a few others if you guys get creative. Maybe uh, Florida State, Georgia Tech. Um, What else? Yeah, who else Clemson? plays in the ACCs? Notre Dame still in there? Is Mike Bray still oh, coaching? I'm, I'm all in on Notre Dame this year. Maybe Florida State, NC State, the state of the state. We'll do that, and then Wake Forest, they can join as well. And I, I know I forgot someone, but don't turn off the Sorry. podcast we'll, just because we'll we forgot them. some team. Okay? We'll get to them. Anyway, gentlemen, good to see you. Welcome back. Great to be back. Yeah. I can't well, believe I'm college excited, basketball starts tomorrow. I yeah, feel like I know, so right? much has happened this summer that I'm already like – it's been a very eventful offseason. Yeah. I mean, it's it's actually a really great time for college basketball to start. I feel like, you know, people are kind of lukewarm on the NFL right now, even more so than usual this time of year. Most people's fantasy teams have collapsed. So it's time for us to invade. Let's invade some NFL souls and uh, and bring them over. Deal? Yeah, that's right. It's time. Yeah. We, we need more fandom within college basketball anyways, you know, outside of the arena. Plus, college basketball is so much better to gamble on than the NFL. And also, it's during the winter, and there are midweek games, which kind of brighten your soul a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a random definitely. Monday or Tuesday night, and Guthrie and I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's better than being able to watch, like, a couple awkward kids jump up and down on, like, a random Wednesday night in, like, rural Montana just cheering on say. the bisons? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just, there's something so good about that. There's always a Bucknell game on ESPN3. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time they cut to those awkward kids, too, I'm just wondering, like, Man, is is he is he actually with that girl, or is that girl just kind of like with him, just kind of like hanging out? She's got like a free ticket. All right, so that's how we're rolling. <laughs> Guys, we have a guest on the line, all right? All right, it, let's it, get it's to time. Ken. It is time for our special guest. He has appeared on the program before in season one, in season two, a couple times, and now season three. Mr. Ken Pomeroy, aka Ken Pom. Go to KenPom.com to subscribe. We've already renewed our subscriptions because. We're Degenerates. That's our name. Ken, welcome back. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for the introduction, and thanks for having me on. It's great to uh, chat with you guys again. Well, I'm glad you're thankful now. Hopefully by the end you'll still be thankful for our questions. But uh, <laughs> let's, get, let's get into it. I mean, the Summer Series is something that always kind of pushes us from April and the aftermath, uh, from recruiting, and it tides us over into the new season when we start going over new teams and you did a series on home court advantage and uh, primary dictating factors on home court. I want to talk about that to start off and how home court advantage perhaps is diminishing in part because decrease in home foul advantage. Uh, did you examine any individual renowned home court advantages, you know, such as the popular arenas, Cameron, uh, maybe places like Rupp or Fog, or did you just go through the entire list and or and what was your algorithm for this 
Yeah, I mean, the algorithm basically was to look at uh, each individual team. So uh, for the most part, you know, teams stay in the same arena over the course of the, I guess, eight-year period I looked at it. Um, but sometimes they, they switch. But, you know, I looked at individual teams, basically, and looked at their, you know, home foul advantage, basically what their foul margin was at home compared to what it was on the road, uh, and then compared that to uh, basically their home court advantage going forward. So it wasn't just predicting, like, you know, Team A had a five-foul five, five advantage at home and they won that game by 10. It was actually just looking over a long period of time, you know, multiple years, what was their home foul advantage? And then going forward from there, what was their home court advantage? Because I want to be able to predict going forward what the home court advantage is. So uh, so that's how I went about it. So I did, yeah, I came up with uh, individual home court ratings for, uh, you know, basically every school in the country. And this was just based on conference games. But, uh, but yeah, it was pretty interesting. I mean, the dominant factor is, is elevation. So, it, you know, if you don't play at high elevation, you didn't really rank very high in my system. But, um, you know, the big-name schools, the power conference schools, tend to be near the top. Um, you know, Duke was a little bit of an aberration. They only ranked 111th in home court advantage. Really? Wow. That so might... you, can make, you can make the case that, you know, Coach K is so intimidating on officials that maybe they don't have much of a home foul advantage. You know, they, they get an advantage on the road as well. So... You know, you're comparing mm. home and road performance here. So if the road performance is still pretty good, then you, know, you won't see a home court advantage. So, uh, yeah, so for the most part, things lined up fairly well, but it's just the data is, I mean, it's such a difficult project, and there's so much noise. And the, the difference between the worst home court and the best home court, you know, it's like the worst is like 1.5 points, and the best is like 4.5. So not a huge difference there, really. That's interesting to see Duke there, because I would have guessed they would have been comparable to like Yoda's midichlorian counts, um, especially if you tracked all the way back to the Yoda battery A area. But I guess you didn't go that far back. Okay, let's continue on this trend. Were there any surprises in, in your output as far as who came up as a top home court? Well, I, yeah, I mean, you know, again, it was it was so noisy, so. Uh, I mean, probably the, the weirdest one, the team that had the, I believe the largest uh, home foul advantage was uh, Evansville. Um, so I, I could have probably given you, you know, a couple hundred guesses and you might not have gotten there. Uh, so they, you know, they ended up rating out really well in home court advantage. And it, does, it does give you some appreciation for how difficult it is and how noisy it is to try to predict home court advantage. And in fact, Evansville is actually a team that played in two different arenas uh, during the period of, of time. So, uh, so yeah, so they were a weird one. Uh, and there are a few outliers like that. Um, but for the most part, you know, the teams, again, the teams in power conferences, you know, ranked in the top half of the country, if not the top third, and the teams in, you know, smaller gyms and lower conferences ranked in the, in the lower third. You know, the idea, it's, it's pretty similar, I guess, to like, you know, my overall ratings when you think about it. Like, I'm not, in the ratings, I'm not going to quibble over whether a team's fifth or eighth, you know, it's like, as long as they're like, in the right neighborhood, I feel pretty good. Uh, that's how I thought about the home court advantage, too, although the neighborhood is, is much, much bigger there. But basically, if, like, the teams you thought were good are, like, in the top third of Division One, I, I felt pretty good about that. And uh, and for the most part, it, it did a pretty good job with that. Well, uh, speaking of neighborhoods, let me, let me ask you about two specific neighborhoods. I was really excited to ask about your Hokies, uh, especially because a lot of people are predicting them to – be the best college basketball team in the state of Virginia and notably higher than Virginia in the ACC. And in your rankings, you've already released your 2018, which, you know, influenced to large degree still right now by last year's numbers. You've got Virginia in the top 10 still at ninth, and you got Virginia Tech down at 53, vastly different neighborhoods, different sides of town. What what do you think about your Hokies this year? Are they going to be better than you uh, yeah, I think I think Matt Norlander was the one who said that Virginia Tech was the the best team in the state. I, I think if you look at a lot of computer rankings, I don't know if there is one out there that has Virginia Tech ranked ahead of Virginia. So, I mean, I'm I got a bias there, and I would tend to decide with the numbers. Although I will say, every year there is a team in my preseason rankings that is wildly like just looks like they're wildly out of place in the top twenty. Last year I had Ohio State at like 13th. I think the year before I had Syracuse more in that same neighborhood where they lost a bunch of people and, you know, people thought those are crazy ratings and it turned out they were. Um, <laughs> and, uh, are you I, saying I Virginia, Virginia is that crazy rating I this think, year? I think Virginia is a little out of place that, 
at number nine. I mean, totally, totally agree with that. Yeah, you look. I mean, you look at the you look at the roster, and it's like, how do they even get top twenty five votes? I mean, they got votes based on basically the reputation of the program and you know the reputation of the coach. I mean, you look at the players, and it's like hard to see a top twenty five team there. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, if I had to if I had to place a wager, you know, the super objective side of me would say. Yeah, Virginia probably ends up with a better season than Virginia Tech, but there's no doubt I think the gap is uh, closer than it's been in recent years. That's probably because you're accounting for their schedule, which is absolutely brutal this year. I don't know if anybody else who's doing their rankings accounted for that. But anyway, um, maybe the Virginia Tech buzz is because they got new seats. Do you think that's possible? I mean, because back in your day, I mean, they weren't even wooden bleachers. I don't know what they were. Were they like stone from... You know, the ages of, uh, I don't know, the Coliseum, maybe? <laughs> we're still sitting on, on cement slabs. And we, and we <laughs> like the it, new though. seats we are like in. It. The new seats are in, aren't they? They definitely are. Anyway. Uh, let, me, can I, let me jump around the ACC for a couple other teams. I was surprised to see Georgia Tech, a team that I love. I'm all in on them. Uh, last year, their offense was horrendous. I think they, I'm looking up, they were 259th in your offensive uh, efficiency ratings. I mean, just like their offense didn't run, but their defense was one of the best in the country. And now, looking at your 2018 uh, rankings, you're projecting their offense to make a huge jump up into like the 60s in, in the nation in terms of efficiency. And I think your the defense will still be their strength. But what can you talk about what accounts for that offensive jump? I mean, especially since it seems like they've lost some guys. You know, how how does it come? to show up in the numbers that they're making a big offensive jump there. Yeah, so typically when you when you have a team like them that has this huge split the previous season, usually that split narrows quite substantially um, the following season. So, you know, the fact that they were just so elite defensively, there actually probably is some offensive talent there, and they just, for whatever reason, kind of punted on, on developing it last season. But you'd think it would come around. Um, but... I mean, probably the bigger issue here is that when I cranked out these ratings three weeks ago, you know, we thought Georgia Tech would have a uh, full contingent of of players, you know, most of which were returning from last season. And uh, at this point, it looks like, you know, neither Josh Okogie or Tadrick Jackson will be um, playing anytime soon, if ever. Uh, you know, obviously that's just kind of a mess surrounding that program. Yeah, with who the, knows, the recent right? news yeah. of a particular, uh, particular friend, quote-unquote, of the program, kind of uh, – outing his various uh, impermissible benefits that he doled out to It's all a scam. Players. It's so, a personal uh, vendetta. I reveal yeah, my personal allegiances here. A little here. bit. So, uh, so, you know, if they had everybody back, I would have a lot of confidence that Georgia Tech would, you know, be in the hunt, at least for, for an at-large bid. Uh, but short of getting the two aforementioned players back, uh, I would say they're in for kind of a, a sub-500 season in, in conference play. All right. Ken Pomeroy is with us. Let's get back to your preseason output. What has surprised you the most? And let's not talk about Virginia because we already hit that. We could talk about Maryland climbing all the way to 41st. That's an inside joke, folks. To understand it, you got to subscribe. <laughs> but um, I've got a team that I was very shocked to see in the top five. Um, but tell me what you were a little bit surprised about. Uh, you know, I was, for the most part, uh, pretty happy with the way things turned out. Um yeah, Virginia was a little weird, uh, and Villanova being number one and Kentucky being number two. I mean, maybe Kentucky's you know, the team I was the thinking team. about. They were the one I was thinking about. Yeah, and I mean, they suffer from the kind of same thing that Virginia does, where it's like, hey, there's you know, there's this kind of long period of consistency for the team, and the computer doesn't give a crap if you know <laughs> the entire roster is being overturned, and they don't necessarily have players coming in that are as uh, dominant, let's say, as you know, we've seen from John Calipari freshman in the past. Uh, so, that's, so that's the issue with them. Uh, I think potentially could they be a top-five team? Yes, potentially they could. But there's no question that there's just so much uncertainty there with the guys coming in that, especially early in the season, they're going to struggle uh, to some extent. I mean, struggle, we'll put in quotes, because – they're still going to be very good. But, uh, you know, second-best team in the country, better than Duke or Michigan State or Arizona or the teams that, you know, the media loves. Yeah, early in the season, probably not. Late in the season, probably not either. But there'll definitely be a team I'll, you know, be interested to, to follow and, and kind of look back on as the season concludes because uh, 
you know, hopefully they don't completely, you know, drop out of the top 20 or drop out of the top 30. It's not that kind of disastrous season as possible, but I guess I would be kind of surprised just based on the, the history of the program. Yeah, and, and looking at things that, like, your computer is kind of factoring in there um, or, you know, not really looking at, like, roster turnover, um, I mean, what do you make of this Louisville team? And, I mean, it's going to be so hard to have a, I, I think, a predictive model of how they're going to perform throughout the season based on everything that's going on internally. I mean, is there is there any confidence that you have in in actually being able to predict where Louisville is actually able to finish? I mean, is this is this one of those things where you're just going to have to watch them every game and see who's quitting and when, or if anybody's quitting on that team? Yeah, I mean, they're so uh, kind of you know a little behind the scenes information, but um, bef- you know, so my my formula has a, a coaching component to it, mm-hmm. which is just simply is last year's coach back. And uh, it doesn't really care how good the coach is. But, just a yes, no, uh, like that kind of thing. So, yeah, just a yes, no thing. And in the case of <laughs> unless Louisville, it's before State. Patino, uh, you know, was fired, uh, Louisville was actually ranked number three in my in my algorithm. So, right, they've um, had a lot of uh, a lot of ones, is. a lot of ones in a row instead of zeros there now, for the yeses. Was <laughs> was uh, Bowen included in that three ranking too? And now, for the record, we should tell people they're at sixteen in your rankings, about standard right, six, where I've yep. seen them in like now new polls coming out. So was, was Bowen included then? Bowen was included. Yes. And he's, he's no longer, but, uh, but by far the bigger impact was, was losing Patino. The high, basically the higher you are in my system, the more that coaching penalty takes effect. You just, I mean, you rarely see like top five teams that have a new coach, you know, mm-hmm. you got to go back to like Bill Guthridge or something like that for, you know, to find a case like that. So, um, so it just, it's just very, very rare. And, uh, so they would have been three, and they are. I mean, I think they're really deep. They're they have a lot of talent. Maybe yeah, not necessarily just so you know, without Bowen. Maybe not necessarily a, a signature guy that you're like, yeah, that guy's gonna you know be on All Star teams in the future. But just, I mean, at every position, I feel like they have good talent, and in some places they're too deep. And uh, and so you know, I feel like 16 is, is is as good a guess as any. You know, you don't know what the effect of losing Patino is going to be. You know, say what you want about him, but he was obviously a a great basketball coach and could really put players in a position to win. So I, I don't know if David Padgett has that same, uh, same ability. Uh, it's pretty well, unlikely, David uh, even if he's close on some yeah, respects, I, you know, mean, I think I, they'll still have a successful year. Yeah. Padgett to me is a poor man's pit snoggle. So I, I don't know. <laughs> he's no, I, I'm kidding, but he's very been, different. He's Very been different under, games. he's been under the wing of uh, Patino for so long. Yeah, but I, still I that begs the question, does he know how off. to coach the matchups on? And I think that has a big effect on Louisville or maybe if he strays away from that, could that increase your value? I don't know. Taylor. Yeah. Uh, Ken, let me ask you some of these things we're talking about. Like it's interesting to hear that the coaching staying is just a yes, no kind of binary for your rankings. How do you account for a lot of these teams that bring in a lot of freshman guys, you know, the one and dones? Like I'm thinking about Duke is probably going to start what, like four freshmen this year. How how do you rank those guys? Do you just have something like Marvin Bagley, he comes in with a 9 out of 10 ranking as a player in your system. How does that work when you're ranking out these teams? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it, it so it takes the uh, the RSCI ratings the recruiting consensus and um just goes off of that uh so as it turns out you, know, you look back over history and run a regression on on what kind of impact that those kind of players have and basically it's like the top 20 or 25 really have a significant impact once you get beyond that um it's you know really difficult to, to kind of project i mean if you have a system like you know like dan hanner has it at si where he has kind of a personnel-based system that's based on playing time and he you know talks to coaches and figures out where they're planning on playing guys and, and how much. And if you have a system like that, you know, you can get a little bit more uh, granularity out of the, the recruiting ratings. You can figure out that, hey, you know, the 60th ranked guy is actually going to play a lot and, and you should include that in there. But for the most part, you know, you look at the guys outside the top 20, 25, and I mean, their effect on a program is as freshmen, it's usually just adding a little bit of depth. And then as a sophomore, it's more significant and down the line, it's even more significant. So for the upcoming season, it's tough. It's tough to deal with freshmen. And, um, you know, it's obviously the biggest challenge, and that's why you know the system does kind of fall back on the recent history thing, looking at coaches, um, you know, looking at school budgets, things like that. You know, strength of conference that's in there. So, uh, you know, it falls back on some other things to kind of cheat and guess and figure out. You know, hey, uh, this this program doesn't have any top twenty five freshmen coming in, but 
there's a lot of minutes to fill. So how good would how good are their typical freshmen? You know, the past few years, it basically looks at it like that, and you know, makes a makes an educated guess from there. So it's fair to say, like in layman's terms, for me, that it would be like Bagley would be uh, roughly the equivalent of like the average of Tatum and Okafor and all those guys, like what they did in the past couple of years, just like averaged out. Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly how it works. Except don't include Scalabissier in that. All right. A couple more questions <laughs> for Ken Palm, who's been kind enough to join us here. And I'm going to take this in a fun direction because, I mean, you're not a computer, even though you have a, a great computer. What? Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what goes through your head when you read yourself quoted in practically every college basketball article like now written in the modern century? Is that pressure for you over your <laughs> algorithm, or are you just thinking to yourself, you know, these East Coast, West Coast, uh, I mean, Midwestern clowns, they don't know nothing about Utah and BYU. What, what's going through your head when you're, you're kind of perusing some, some of these articles that come up in the preseason and in season as well? Uh, so that question was a little confusing. <laughs> uh, is it is it still Utah, is it strange how at this point? BYU thing come into play? Right? Yeah, I well, don't can, know how that you, came into play either. <laughs> I was like, what about Utah? What about, what about the? Because you're the only one who knows anything about those West Coast teams except for like their fan bases. I feel because <laughs> oh, you're I at see. the games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do like. I will say, having grown up on the East Coast and spent you know spending my adult life uh, basically in the in the mountain time zone, I. I definitely appreciate uh, the contrast and how difficult it is to kind of follow, you know, those late games when you're on the East Coast and even for the media types that do this for a living. Like, you know, there's obviously WCC and Pac-12 games that start at midnight Eastern and they're on weird networks. And, yeah, I, I, so I totally get where the East Coast bias comes from. And, I, I, you know, I've never had the urge to, like, move back to the East Coast. It's just so <laughs> refreshing to, like, you know, sit around at 9 o'clock and, like, you know, watch a game that, uh, you know, like the rest of the country isn't watching. And I'm getting, it's like I'm getting some sort of like inside information, you know, seeing a Arizona-UCLA game that's, you know, filled with talent and that nobody else can see. So, uh, so I don't know if that answers your question. But, uh, <laughs> well, there are some degenerates on the East Coast who decide to stay up late to watch this game. Just, just to let you know. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, as, as a lifelong East Coaster myself, I'm jealous. I always have been of the West Coasters that, you know, get that sweet, uh, you know, minus three in the time zone. You know, it's just great. I just think to myself, how great would it be to be able to wake up at 10 in the morning and watch football? Or, you know, I feel like Mountain Time's almost like even the sweet kind of middle ground. It's like, it's a wild west out there. You know, you're plus two. You know, it's like, I don't know. I'm jealous. I I, I would love to be out there <laughs> watching those WCC games in particular. What's your? Just yeah, give I, us before we wrap up here. Give us a little. What's your uh, game day ritual like? What does it look like? The life of Ken Palm. We're sitting down to well, watch. You're, you're assuming that he's getting like excited over one game. I mean, yeah, you know, like, do, okay. when he's like in season, he's like trying. He knows he can't watch all the games, so he's like watching maybe snippets of some games. Yeah. I would imagine, right? But you still got to let him answer the question. <laughs> no, okay, I'm gonna answer well, ask for a two-parter. <laughs> do you get excited over single games? And then what's your game day ritual like? What are what kind of habits are we going through here? Yeah, so I, I do get excited over single games. In fact, I try to see. Not really, uh, <laughs> you know. I guess you're typical. Let's say Tuesday or Wednesday evening. You know, I'm not really watching like basketball continuously from you know 5 p.m. until midnight. Like I'm trying to pick out one game to focus on, and okay. um, so that's kind of how I roll. And like similarly, like on Saturday, you know, I see people on Twitter that are like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna sit down and watch hoops for 12 hours." And it's like I. I don't have that kind of attention span or stamina. So, you know, pick out one or two games and focus on them. And if one of them turns out to be a dud, you know, obviously there's other options that you can switch around. But, um, but I do find that like just flipping around from game to game to game in an evening, uh, doesn't help me like understand what's going on in any of those games. So yeah. I tend to try to focus on, on a particular game or two when I'm sitting down and watching. Now you do go to arenas though. Do you have like the golden credential that gets you in anywhere? Cause I've been searching for this. In my professional career, I've yet to find it. Yeah. I actually, I've, I've yet to find it either. I've, um, I have been turned down by various places, but oh wow, shame part, on them. For the most part, for the most part, I don't have a problem. I, uh, yeah, so I, I'll probably get to. I don't know. I mean, you know, locally here in Utah, like you sort of like at a distance, probably think it is a basketball wasteland, and we're probably not going to have any teams in the NCAA tournament this year, but. You know, every, like, Western Conference is represented by one of the schools in the area. So, you know, you basically get to see all the Western teams come through here. So, you know, I usually take advantage of that, and I'll get out to a dozen or so games, and then I'll head to 
to Vegas and catch the Pac-12 tournament. So, um, so yeah, I, you know, there's nothing like being at the arena to watch basketball and uh, sure. try to take advantage of that as much as possible. No, what's your great. What's your favorite live arena to watch a game at? And just in terms of the fan experience, what's your favorite place? Hmm. Mm. So I gotta say, Castle Coliseum, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> the seats of stone, which turned into the seats of wood. And now I think they're actual seats. So. Chain nets. Still got chain nets. Yes, indeed. Uh, Playing to your fan base. It is underrated. I got to tell you, it is underrated. Yeah. Do you feel like you have more basketball knowledge than the rest of the arena combined when you're watching a game at Castle? Oh, no. How dare you, Luke? I'm sorry. That's not fair. That's not fair. Well, I just know when they set a big pick, it's it's like uh you know the house comes down right? rather than I don't know uh, a seventeen zero run if that's ever happened get yeah. there. But I wonder if Zach Lede's jersey will get hung out there at Castle Coliseum. <laughs> you think it will? I think he's earned it. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, no all right. With that, that said, uh, Ken, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate the analysis. We appreciate the time. And uh, tell any of our listeners out there how they can subscribe. What they're going to get with you know, the service that you give to all of us, just go ahead and plug the website. Yeah, KenPalm.com, uh, 1995 for a 12-month subscription. So if you sign up today, you'll have access for the next 12 months, not just the rest of the season. Um, get all sorts of analytical info on uh, all 351 Division One teams, score predictions, players, stats, lineup trends, things like that. Um, I'm also writing over the over at the Athletic. Uh, oh, nice! A week, so uh, you're disrupting journalism. Yeah. Cool. Yep. So if you're looking for my writing this year, you won't see a whole lot on my blog. It'll be over at the Athletic. So uh, wow, a lot of good people writing over there besides myself. So go go check that out too. My my personal plug for your website is also the fan match feature, which is great if there are no games of like your your personal team that you're rooting for to like find the most exciting game. That can randomly, you know, be awesome to watch on a Wednesday night. It kind of rakes the games best on based on a thrill score. Great feature. Yeah, I think there's actually like a bar in Charlottesville that uh, puts games on the TV based on my fan match score. So, really, shout out to whoever that is. Nice. Yeah, we're gonna so find, we'll that bar. find that great. bar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like excited. Yeah. All bring, right, kid. Uh, bring in the thunder since 95. Kid it, Palm. All right. So long over there from the West Coast where, uh, I don't know, it's not daylight out, but, you know, it's it's not about to turn midnight like that's over here. All right. Ken Pomeroy, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay, great. And then, great, and then you're going to cut. I'm okay, sorry. Great conversation. Um, that was lively. Was it? I think it was more lively than season one, where we were all stuttering over ourselves. I think we were a little man. in awe of him the first time we talked to him. Oh man, I was so I was so excited to talk to him the first time that we we actually got Ken on the line. I didn't believe that it was him. Actually, I, for You're, all I know, that's not. What I was going to say, for all we know, like. we've been catfish for the past four years. So <laughs> Mike just, was just trying to get him, trying to buy him a ticket to Vegas in March. Yeah. that's what you were trying to do the first time around. That's right. That's he shot right. that down quickly. And yeah, a part of you died. I think that day. Well, because he tells me, you know, and obviously you just heard that he he's already there for the Pac-12 tournament the week before. But he's not. So. The Westgate or Red Rock? No, I, you know I don't think that he feels like he has that that touch when it comes to to gambling. I think he just puts his numbers out there and he just lets them be. And you I mean think the Midas touch where you wanted to put everything on Michigan over Louisville, right? Last year, yeah. And um, it would have worked, but it would have. It you don't play results. Exactly. Thank you, <laughs> Poker player of the, the quad, right here. Wise man Guthrie in the corner over here. Mm. No one wants to hear about our bad beats. No, no, no. Maybe does. if we, especially because it was your fault. If we get a more lucrative <laughs> sponsor, we will go fly out and watch the Pac-12 tournament with Ken Palm. Oh, Vegas. I would love that so much. I yeah, would love that. Yeah, so Taylor much. texted me earlier. I want to talk about Taylor text at the end of the program, okay? Because <laughs> I have a lot of stuff that I have a lot of venting to do and a lot of grievances to file against Taylor, but he did text me about getting credentialed. Can you get us credentialed for the, uh, what did you want credential for? Many things. And I said, no, there's no possible way. <laughs> we're not respected in journalistic circles to get credentialed? <laughs> no. I you don't, don't think, think we could get cred- credentials as the ACC basketball degenerates? How about you guys try, right? I am. If you give me the application or whatever the hell it is <laughs> that you guys fill out for credentials, I will be happy you to get, do it. You See, if I do that, they room. might give me they might give me the scarlet letter for my credentials. So that's why I'm not willing to risk it for you guys. You oh, get yeah, me in a room with us, the sports information it. director of Wake Forest, and I guarantee we'll have credentials. Okay, mm. just get me in a room.
<laughs> okay, well, I mean, you almost got Jay Will on the pod. He is a listener. We know that. And you have snagged some other good guests. You're, you're going after the Musburgers. That's a great storyline right now of the season, that Taylor is in with the Musburgers for now. I think we're not going to get Brent, it's looking like. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it in case we're there. He's listening right now. Hmm. Well, anyways, it's obviously going to be a very exciting season here. <laughs> ACC basketball degenerates. Yeah, it's pushing boundaries. Be it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of inside baseball right there. <laughs> All right, Luke. What do, what do we have? Let's move us I, along. You know what? Let's not start. Like? Let's not start from the bottom. Let's start from the top and go down. We always start from the bottom and go to the top. We're going to start at the top. Duke is preseason number one. They're the most intriguing team in the entire ACC because they. Throw in a horde of freshmen, unlike last year, where they had more returners than you remember or mm-hmm. you recall. Mm-hmm. There's no Luke Kennard walking through the door this year, mm. but still lots of talent and lots of intrigue. Okay, I have lots of thoughts here. Would you like to start the conversation, Taylor? We should, can we I should do an education here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, is everybody let, aware okay. of who's starting? I can, I well, can start with this education here. We'll do it. They, well, are you just no, going to name a bunch of names? That's going to help no one. Yeah, I'm going to talk about key losses, key returners. Let's talk about it. Well, okay, key losses. Yeah, I'd say Luke Kennard's a key loss. Tatum. I'd say Jason Tatum's a huge, gigantic loss. Emile Jefferson. Um, huge. Yeah, it's a loss. Not yeah. a huge loss. Possibly huge. Matt Jones. Don't worry, Duke fans. Uh, I'm I'm for you right now. Anyway, yeah, Grayson Allen's back. And Oh, they, did you guys watch the, uh, the Encore Grayson Allen, Jeff Goodman interview? Can we talk about that real quick? Oh, oh no, I did not watch no. that. Oh, there's a second one. I should have told you to go through it. I oh, tweeted God. it out, but I, I don't know if anybody no, wanted to tweet. I, I thought if that. people wanted to vomit, they could like watch it. So I made a public service announcement just in case there was too much, you know, clogging, you know, the the esophagus. But good gracious. Um yeah, check that out, folks. If you're interested in uh throwing up a little bit, but No, pretty- what happened? What happened? Give me give me the deets. What happened? What I'm happened a Grayson Allen defender here. The backlash to the backlash to the backlash. Just what about let Jeff it be. Goodman. It's a couple questions about <laughs> did you feel sorry? Why were you pouting on the bench? Like, I was pouting because I knew that the media storm was coming. And then Jeff Gorman's like, you poor soul. Tell me about Kay. And then Jeff Gibman just glows. What has really? he taught you? What has he done for you? What Who are your cares? Emotions? Yeah, exactly. Uh, see, you're you're no fun. I know, but uh. like, think of all the stupid shit you did when you were 20 years old. Less for some of these kids, like 18, 19. You didn't have a million cameras like trained on you saying and forcing you to perform well, like I, an emotional. If there was a tripper theater. around, I would try to trip <laughs> yes, the tripper. That's right, Kabuki Theater. Look it up. An ancient Japanese. Okay, art. enough about that. Let's get to the current Duke team. Shout out to Kabuki <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Kabuki Theater. I'm about to drop some knowledge because I've listened to a lot of press conferences in the preseason and I've actually paid attention to Duke in the preseason this year Go. and watched them a little bit. Uh, different style coming from the Blue Devils this year. Don't know how I feel about them being. A non-perimeter oriented team. Mm-hmm. This, no no uh, shooting, right? No shooting. Well, hold on, okay? Not no shooting whatsoever. They do have some shooting. This will help, say, against uh, Carolina, even though they seem to always find ways to get the better of Carolina recently, at least once a year, sometimes twice, two out of three, right? When's the last time Carolina won two out of three against Duke or swept them? It's been a while, let's face it. Even though Carolina won the title. Congratulations. Um, last year... Duke got him twice. The shift probably plays into the hands of some of the other teams like Notre Dame and maybe Louisville a little bit and maybe even Virginia. Um, Let's talk about the interior presences, okay? They've got a lot of 6'10ers on the team, 6'11ers. 6'10ers, they're full of them. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's all Mm -hmm. you need. Not quite, okay? I'm a little bit worried when I see that Marquise Bolden is making – the magazine uh, feature player. I'm a little bit worried about that because he didn't know how to walk last year. Isn't he so, projected to come off the bench, though? I, I'm not sure. He's, I know that, he's one of only two returning players. Can really I tell you? Their but I, yeah, well, we haven't even talked amazing. about the So wait, when they put out the media guide, they only had two photos of guys in They're going to start Allen and Grayson four freshmen, Allen right? and Marcus Let's, okay. They're going to start <laughs> Duvall. Before we get to Carter, the freshmen, can we talk about one sophomore? Trent. Let's talk about Jevin. Yeah. Jevin Delaria, who... Shashevsky has praised highly in this preseason. I think there's a decent chance he's he's in the mix really? for, for pretty good minutes this year. Interesting. Okay. I do. Hmm. Um, pretty good minutes. Pretty. Good I think minutes. that Coach K is smart enough to realize that if this team is oriented around 
Marquise Bolden, God bless him, they're not going to go all the way to the Final Four, and I think he's going to adjust pretty quickly, and I think this team is going to be built around Trayvon Duvall and Gary Trent Jr. Well, who thinks they're going to be oriented around uh, Bolden? It's going to be Bagley and oh, well, Have you read anything this year? I don't know. I no, mean, you haven't. No, um, I, I, who thinks it's going to be pe- Bagley and Allen? That's you have it. you have the consensus media praising Bagley, all right? But Bagley is a little shaky in the preseason. Can we all admit that? Not um, Harry Giles shaky in, in his first couple games, but he's looked a little shaky at times. I don't know. I'm all in on uh, Trey Duvall and Gary Trent Jr. I think they're going to be fantastic. Yeah, players. Gary. Gary's a Trent. phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal guard. Trent's yeah. an excellent player. Yeah, he's going to be the best player on the floor for them. Uh, I think they're going to be good off the bounce. I think those guys are going to get to the rim. And But the only problem I have is I think there might be a little bit more congestion at the cylinder this season for Duke compared to what we've become accustomed to over the last five years where they're very spread out over the floor. Mm. Well, we shall see. We shall see, Luke. I don't know. Everybody's high on Duke this year. They're the current favorites in Vegas at 3-1. to one. I think uh, they were actually bet down um, from five to one to open the year, and now share uh, odds with Michigan State, who's also three and one. Three to one to win the national title. Yep. God, what a sucker's bet! Please, <laughs> no one go. Bet. No one place a bet on somebody to win the national I'd title. Be reluct- three to I'd one. be reluctant to place them first over on the ACC because last time that's happened is I think 2010. It's been seven years, uh, and yeah, I think I think Shashevsky doesn't care about ACC regular seasons. I think he cares about priming his team for. Yeah, he was eleven, at this, eleven and at seven. At this point in of his career, does he year. even care about having the best team in the regular season? I don't think so. So I think he's going to mess with some things. The Cameron Crazies are around again. They're around, which is like equivalent at this point of, of life. Can we agree on this? To like celebrities and athletes attending the Kentucky Derby. This should hit close to Taylor Sart. Yeah, I love the Kentucky. <laughs> well, obviously Derby. they don't have that big of an effect, according to Ken. Right? They're 112th in home court so, advantage. So yeah, they do so to be seen and to be social, just mm. like athletes and celebrities at the Kentucky Derby. Do you ever see an athlete who's like at the window making, you know, a bet? I, I want like Absolutely. a super trifecta. I want this trifecta. Yeah. No, you don't see. It. They I don't s- have. I stood behind Avery Johnson. I, was, I know <laughs> that the story was coming. <laughs> In a an aqueduct in New York City, and he was sweating bullets, putting down fat stacks when he was the uh, coach of the Nets. I, uh, he was he was not looking to be seen at all. He was just, <laughs> he was trying to win his money back, and it was beautiful. You know, I, you know what I'm I saying. waited near the window uh, with Vince Young, uh, you know the Texas QB. Uh, yes, I'm Tenet, aware. Tenet, you mean Titans he of the scary? tragic Excuse story yeah, of maybe tragic. the greatest college football Who game, was wearing game a of all time? Really nice, very stylish, heavily patterned suit that day. That's mm. all I remember. So the one time mm. we went to Cameron, I got a copy of a hype sheet, Big which dude. explained to all the the students like who were on the, who were the good players on the other team, which is a little bit concerning as far as like basketball knowledge. But sure, you can be loud. Great, congratulations. Uh, you're not going to have good heckles, I doubt. But anyway. Um, if you have to hand out a study guide telling a fan base what number Bonzi Colson is and describing him physically so your Duke undergrads can, you know, get extra loud, I mean, get out of here, right? Dude, I would kill for a sheet, cheat sheet for this podcast right now. If you could give me, <laughs> could give me one of those, some camera crazies would give me ones as some supplemental, like, gems, like Joel Berry's broken hand on his video game because Theo Pinson beat him. Oh, yeah. You know, that that kind of stuff oh. is gold. That plays. How many Xbox jokes are they going to make when uh, when mm. North Carolina comes to comes to Cameron this year? Word on PlayStation, Xbox, do we have word on that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's my Nintendo prediction. Nintendo Switch? Yeah, I, I'm really curious what game it was. I don't think I don't think they've they've released that information. No. Interesting. I gotta assume it was two K. It was it was Theo Pinson and uh, like the, one of the managers. I believe. Yeah, it was Luke's over here manager. barely containing his rage. <laughs> <laughs> Are we moving to North Carolina? I'm Let's gonna, talk I'm about gonna, UNC. I'm gonna save North Carolina firepower for later on in the season. All right, I'm gonna mm. uh, you know not I wouldn't say out of respect, but it's coming this year, Taylor, and I don't want you to give me the oh stop it. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you said that. It's a very anyway, good impression. That but, is what I sound like. That's bottom true. line on Duke, uh, I think this sort of ends up as the college version of the Milwaukee Bucks from a style standpoint, not a uh, an excellent standpoint. A bunch of long six ten dudes. Mm. Fair enough. Mm. I don't know. I like I like Gary. 
Gary Trent's ability to get into the paint. I think he kind of. Yeah, I know there's. He's going to remind me. You're underselling them. A young Quinn Cook. So young Quinn Cook. So is is there nothing to be said for the fact that they have, as you as you said, they have two returning players, Mm -hmm. and really one returning player that has any significant playing experience. I mean, Mm -hmm. has there been a team that has had extended success in the postseason that is this young? I don't. I don't think so. Kentucky, and especially with that, that one year, especially with that ago? said player cries on Jeff Gibbons' arm. Yeah, he's I, gonna be fine. I think the ceiling is incredibly high for this team, but I they are way too inexperienced to like make any sort of bold prediction. I would never. I would never bet three to one on this team no. to win the national that's, championship. No, that, that's we get, just we got to roll with Carolina, right? That's our duel. That's our duel. Yeah. North Carolina Duke. What do you know? What a what a magical idea that we pair these two together, North Carolina guys. Go ahead. All right, well, Joel Berry's out for, what, uh, two yeah. weeks or so? I mean, every, you know, the, dr- the straw that stirs the drink. When, he, when he doesn't play, non-conference. When he doesn't play, North Carolina's not the same team. Oh, they are um, playing They're playing some decent. Like, they're going to Stanford, I want to say. Yeah, they are. So UNC's, not a, UNC lost Justin Jackson. They lost Kennedy kidding. Meeks pouring out for uh, hashtag Doey Strength, mm-hmm. one of my two favorite players. Right. We can talk about BJ on you later, but. I'm gonna miss Kennedy Meeks. Uh, they lost all lost uh, Isaiah Hicks and uh, and Tony Bradley. Yeah, Tony which is Bradley. A big deal. He left a year too early for their plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my big question is like, obviously you're gonna have Barry. You're, like, gonna, do, you're uh, gonna be fine there. My big question do you is, you really expect Luke May to be it? Yeah, no. Uh, I was uh, just about to say this. The front I'm court sorry. up front, I like would be worried. Yeah, I mean, currently I, starting Theo, today, Theo I mean, Pinson is your starting four for North Carolina right now. Right. What is, what is Roy going to do with that? Right. If you're going to do like a small ball, like try and copy what Golden State or something, that's fine. But they don't have Kevin Durant, and Roy Williams is not going to play that this. kind of ball. So is yeah. Roy deep down, despite the talent that he gets, but he's he's not getting a lot of one and dunners. Is he a system coach? Yeah. Well, we, maybe we'll find out. I don't know. I think yeah. we will. I I generally <laughs> like his system. And I just so I'm biased because I enjoy watching it. Does that mean out rebounding the crap out of every team? Yes, that's a pretty like good strategy. Running, I like that strategy. Running it's a good one, super fast, and like always having big men able to, you know, beat people down the floor. I just yeah, I question whether Luke May is going to be the dominant guy. Yeah, on I mean, court. I, I think the biggest loss of all those guys that you talked about, uh, Isaiah Hicks, Meeks, and um, Justin Jackson. I, I think Meeks is a huge loss. I think he's the most important loss. Within all the ACC, I think I think last wow. year he was the guy that brought them that championship. I think that he was. If you look at him statistically, he had the third <laughs> the third highest true shooting percentage in the country last year. Mm. He was also in the top ten in rebounding. Both of those things, uh, that efficiency offensively and rebounding, is obviously critical to Roy's system. Uh, there's no one in here that's going to fill that gap. Well, you're talking about Johnson's, Kennedy Meeks. Uh, what's that? Yes, I mean, Ken, I yeah, love him. I'm talking about Kennedy. Bring I mean, him the championship. Cameron Johnson's going to put more points on the board, and he's going to br- elevate Cameron Johnson their is a very big X factor in this yeah, team. Yeah, well, I keep forgetting he's on the player. team. I keep excellent forgetting player. he's on there, but that's, yeah. a, that's significant. Okay, bottom and line. And Kenny Williams is supposed to be making Bottom line for, for me sure, in this so we'll duel, see. I think North Carolina has the best player between these two teams, Joe Barry Jr. We got a lot of grief on Twitter from these two North Carolina fans because we called him, I don't know, maybe you did, Taylor, I did. He's the second. The third. But if you have Roman numerals next to your name, what am I supposed to think? Are you, am I supposed to think you're a junior? No, get out of here. Um, but he, he is, in fact, the second. Congratulations. <laughs> I, I think Duke's going to be better than UNC. Yeah, I do I'll, too, I'll but take, I think, I'll take I, think, I, mean, I guess I'm with everybody. I'll take way. UNC in this duel. Okay, I think North Carolina has the best player, but I think Duke ends up higher than them in the final regular season standings. Yeah, fair. All right. Okay, that brings us to the Commonwealth of Virginia, boys. Let's go there. There are two teams. I've got so much to say about this. You guys <laughs> so can carry the rest of the pot. I'm doing the first four, all right? Look, well, let's just say that it's this was sparked by, especially sparked by the fact that uh, Matt Norlander, who releases a like State of the Union type one one to three fifty one rankings, right. every and, team in Division One college basketball, and then they also do a thing where they say like the team, the map of the United States, where each state gets the best team, and that maps out their state. And for the first time in a while, Virginia Tech is projected by many to be better than Virginia. Virginia Tech is like the hot team right now in terms of these preseason projections okay, in the ACC. Know, mm-hmm. We talked Luke. about this. 
we talked about this You're on, free. on the off-season <laughs> pod, okay? Because Michael and I actually sort of look at schedules and we pay attention to them. And knowing that Virginia Tech has Miami twice, they have Louisville twice, they have Virginia twice, they have Duke twice, and they have Carolina. I can't remember if it's home or road. And uh, I think they have Notre Dame road. road. Do they have Notre Dame road? Uh, they, they have North Carolina at home. And they have Notre, Notre Dame, Dame on the road. Okay. That's trouble. And especially since your entire team was built around getting to the line. And I think that Seth Allen had a big part in that play of getting to the line. Oh, absolutely. Chris Clark coming back. Chris Clark does not handle the ball, Taylor. He's an off-the-ball player, and he's not going to get you 20 a game. If yeah. you want to bet that Chris Clark scores 20 a game, I will wager um, whatever you are allowed to do without affecting <laughs> Teddy's <laughs> education fund. It's a 529 plan, guys. Okay? <laughs> Look, I mean, yeah, they lost too much, right? Seth Allen and my man Zach Leday. Yeah, so they have a... Okay, here's the rationale of people who don't watch basketball and don't think and have a lot of teams to go over. God bless you guys. At the same time, you're being <laughs> God sloppy. God bless you for listening to this podcast. No, they're not listening, no, but our listeners... talking about other, like... No, I'm saying I'm saying other writers, but our oh, listeners uh, read these writers. Listen okay? to you. Mm-hmm. So Matt they Rolander. look at oh wow, they have their entire starting lineup back. They have a bunch of role players who are starters. They have returners who are all role players. They're all role players. Mm-hmm. They're all role players. Yeah, I don't buy this team. They have a tough schedule for the first time since entering the ACC. That's why I'm shorting Virginia Tech this year, and I think that should be our consensus. ACC B-ball DGNs against the college basketball nation theme this year. Last year we did well. We did Syracuse isn't a tournament team. And you know what? People laughed at us on Twitter and they poked fun on us. And what happened? We got them in the end. <laughs> so, Who's laughing now? So Twitter. I don't know. I don't know like how high people are actually projecting Virginia Tech. I mean, they think they're going to be a top 25 team. Potentially. People had them ranked solidly, at 25 in yeah. some of their polls. So, solidly them. in the tournament. Yeah. For sure. Oh, okay. I, I can see them. I think they'll make the tournament. I'll say that. But they're not going to be... I'll say they're going to be not top four in the ACC. Oh, sure. what a limb to go on out. But I think people are pretty- <laughs> <laughs> Justin Robinson, um, Ahmed Hill, Justin Bibbs, Chris Clark, and Kadeem Sai. So, and they, I, I they, think, do, they don't okay. have. I think they'll have a lot of guys to throw at you, and I think they'll all like. They're going to have some size. They're going to have some length. They're going to have like some some kind of like defensive intensity there, which last year was not very. The defense wasn't that great. I don't know. I think it's going to get better, but. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I we'll see how Chris Clark comes back. He, I don't think he's like that traditional person in that role, like in the front court who slots right. in. He kind of relies on his like, you know, moving around people. Mm-hmm. But I, in general, yeah, I'd agree. I think people are overrating them. Right Let me now. say something, okay? It's well, hot right now. So, so the, uh, once again, Virginia Tech has a roster that is on the small end of the scale in terms of stacking up against the rest of the ACC. They have two players over 6-6. And, uh, I mean, just like imagining imagining Virginia Tech trying to match up against Duke. Duke. I mean, even North Carolina this year. Duke twice. What about I mean, Virginia? Virginia has trees. Yeah, they got, they got sure. some big players. Sure, sure. Like, who's going to guard, everybody who's gonna guard goes, Jack Salt? Everybody goes big in the ACC, and it was a reaction to UNC's dominance. Over the past so, two years. So is is this kind of Buzz Williams is, is this kind of his his go to style? Like is is he just going for small ball, like for for the perimeter? The hand that he has. Yeah. Um, I yeah. read I read an S B Nation blog. Would you say play the head that he has? Hand. Oh, because mm-hmm. he's well, that's, He's bald by choice. We, yeah, we, what the hell? Yeah, yeah which <laughs> is crazy to me. I, Who does that? Sorry, play this the hand he has. Ta- Taylor, you're opinion. getting muted. We're not bringing this up again, okay? <laughs> you can go back to the archives. Okay, so I read an bald SB Nation. Bald by choice, I can't believe I read an SB Nation blog, which had the Hokies at 21. And because I like to laugh, I continued to read the article, okay? The rationale was, well, it's Buzz Williams, fourth year. Hey, hey, remember what happened? Fourth year, Marquette. Oh, yeah. Let's pencil him in to the Elite Eight. No, get out of here. That's a terrible angle. Uh, if you think that's starting five and whoever's coming off the bench takes them to the promised land through the toughest schedule in the ACC, I'll gladly eat my shoe after this season, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I plan on mocking ludicrous writers all the way until that point. And then if that happens, I'll eat my shoe and I'll send them all like postcards saying I'm sorry. So I think I think part <laughs> of what you're saying is definitely correct. Uh, the schedule is going to play a factor for sure. 
Virginia Tech has a very solid backcourt. I mean, we we went, ran through really I quickly. I like Robinson. I like Robinson. Robinson is very good. Justin Bibbs is a terrific shooter. High outlaw. He's not around. He's pretty good. Uh, no, he's injured. Oh, really? I see. I didn't know that. Ahmed yeah. Hill is back. Needs but my new, something new, that news updates. people are not talking about enough is Devin Wilson is yeah, back Devin this year. Yeah, Devin Wilson. Greatest two-sport athlete. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I mean, so he sat out last year to play football or yeah, something. Yes. Like, yeah. I guess... I, I mean, I guess that you can't play both in the same year, or no, no, maybe you can. You maybe can. he's just I, doing it for, for health reasons or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't, I just, uh, what's his face, Ronald Curry, do it at Clemson? Uh, uh, UNC. Yeah, yeah, at UNC. UNC sorry. Um, Julius Peppers. As yeah, well. Julius yeah, Peppers. Yeah, there we go. But they, yeah, they did it at, like the same year. So mm-hmm. that that I don't know. That's what that was kind of strange to me. But anyway, he's back this year, and I just remember watching him play in games against. Virginia, and he would absolutely torch Virginia's defense at Castle Coliseum. They they have a, they've won one game at, at John Paul Jones Arena in I think my lifetime. Hmm. Is that it was the Mike Scott year? Oh yeah the uh, yeah. the Hudson the Hudson game. Yeah, and even if you go back to what's what's his name who was really good. I like this guy a lot. Oh, I, just, I mean, didn't they win last year in overtime in, oh. at Castle? Um. Malcolm oh. Delaney. Man, yeah, Malcolm Delaney. Malcolm Delaney struggled. Virginia Tech now? No, I think not. they're going to be good. Right. I just don't see him being like... Okay, uh, cons- nine games. The nine games that I told you, okay? Virginia twice, Notre Dame once, Carolina once, Duke twice, Louisville twice, Miami twice. How many wins do you think they get out of there? Three? If they get three, that's already seven losses. That's just a problem. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the schedule looks rough. I think they're going to be a top 25 team when they go to Kentucky. I, I think and I think that Kentucky game is going to be competitive. I think they match up well with the team. All right, right we got to get. We got to oh, get. Oh, I can't wait. We're spending right. way too much. Right. December sixteenth. Good, good call. Yeah, yeah. Good we'll call. See. Virginia. Okay. The offense is running through Kyle Guy this year. That was my takeaway from the interest squad scrimmage and everything I've talked to within the team. Um, I heard similar things from the Richmond scrimmage. Coming off one of the best three-point shooting seasons ever and seems to have added a little bit of better ability in the mid-range and even an Ed Cota Floda to throw out on a reference Ooh, to our listeners. Nice. You know, Taylor nice. might not know that because he third, was too busy playing Magic the Gathering at that age. Third all-time leading <laughs> wow, high praise, actually for the ACC. Ed Cota. I uh, ran a um, green, nice, green black deck. Okay, my favorite part about the uh, following the EVA offseason is... If there's such a thing as the offseason beat, was to know how much JF, J Huff, who's, I don't know, like a, a miniature um, poor, 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 poor man's Porzingis, his eating schedule. Whoa! Just um, to be in the same sentence. His his eating schedule. Is, he is added 30 pounds. 30 pounds is a lot, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Guy had 10, but good gracious, to be a skinny college athlete who's that tall, who needs to put on weight. This really sounds like a dream of mine. He's listed at seven one. He is. Duh. I don't think my wife added thirty pounds when she had our child. I, uh, let's, can we talk <laughs> about this? Mine off to, can we go off topic for a minute? Careful. I love food. A dream of mine is to be that type of body. Okay. And hearing about what Jay Huff was eating it was pretty much like he was going not full Renee Zellweger, but about seventy five percent Renee Zellweger for whatever role it was. Was it Cold Mountain? What was the role? You know what I'm talking about. Um, Bridget Jones. I was, about to be yes. like, was it plastic surgery? That's what it was. <laughs> so he wasn't throwing down six Krispy Kreme donuts at a time, but definitely openly admitted that he doesn't count meals anymore and he throws down burgers and it sounds like an incredible life. Do we agree on that? That does sound yeah. amazing. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, I miss yeah, a being lot of, 19. A lot of good food options in Charlottesville. Good for him. Um, you've, he- you've also got Devin Hall on this team, who I think is going to turn into Daniel Ewing to throw out another reference for you guys. Wow. If you remember. Oh, yes. I think Devin Hall is Daniel Ewing this year. Okay. I've always been lower on Devin Hall than you guys. Well, Mike Mike can't stand Devin Hall. I don't know why. He's a great <laughs> defender. That's not true. He, he was one of the more efficient players in the country for a good stretch last year. Um, he fell off, I think. He, his shooting and in general minutes dropped uh, towards the end of last year. But, yeah, he's definitely got to be the leader this year. I think this team has a rough non-conference and maybe an early rough patch in the ACC, but I think they get it together in February. I think Nigel Johnson's a big piece who can touch the paint, which is what Virginia did not have last year. They didn't have anybody who could touch the paint. Yeah, like, huge, God huge bless But he was like a top-of-the-key orchestrator. So Yeah, you know, lot, lots of guards there. You know, Guy Hall and Johnson. Jerome. Uh, 
Yeah, Jerome. Um, Don't forget about DeAndre Hunter. So everybody's sleeping on DeAndre Hunter, who was a highly tatted recruit who redshirted. So I would put him around. If you were putting DeAndre Hunter in the current class, given his experience after one year and his weight gain, I'd put him around, I don't know, maybe 15th, like a 15th rated recruit in this current class. 15th wow. overall? Yeah, I would. What? I mean, he was, what was he, down at 50-ish? I don't know. Like 15th after like a year of Last year had a, last year a good class. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, this all that sounds really great. And I'm really that you're right. I'm that really is happy. Here it comes. Great. Say, but I'm really I mean, happy let's this. be honest. At the end of last year for Virginia, it was a bit of a uh, it, was, it was a bit of crisis of character. You know, they had just gotten stomped by 40, I think, by Florida, embarrassed nationally. Rounding Pe- up tri- from from 26. People, yeah. uh, what they lost three players to transfer. Yeah. Um, people, but those were important players. I mean, do you really? I, want- I'm, not, I'm just talking about the optics of the overall. Shayak was important, but the other two were not. I mean, Jared Reuter played what people, like 10 minutes a game, and then Jerry Stops when he got the ball in, in any scenario. He was people are pass questioning it. Tony Bennett's ability to coach within the evolving NCAA landscape. Does he mm. have to change his? coaching style the way that he runs offense okay. to Did, be effective. These are all questions I think that were put to Virginia as a program at the and to of their last players. year. You were so down in Virginia and you were probably right on that, okay? Mm-hmm. But did you think that team without Austin Nichols had a chance of routing Louisville on their home court and beating Notre Dame away? And getting the record they did, and getting through the no. round of thirty-two. So, no, like, I mean, why I, can you blame TB on this? I, I'm just, I'm just saying that these are the optics of the, those are the questions that their program has been forced to answer over the past six or seven months. So here we are, about to start a new season, and you have some some players that I think are exciting. I think Nigel Johnson's really exciting. I think Devin Hall's going to be a great player for them, but you know, can can they really overcome that stigma of being a slow, methodical? you know, painstakingly efficient team to where every shot matters so much in those big games. Yes, they can go on the road and win, you know, those tough games in Notre Dame and beat Louisville. But can they win, you know, 30 games and become a Final Four team? No. I don't know. I, I don't. I think that's those are lofty expectations. I wouldn't be shocked if this team finishes second in the league. I wouldn't be shocked if they finished seventh. Okay. Yeah. Fair. I mean, I, I, would, I would say somewhere in there. I'd pick it. Yeah, about five or six. Okay, I've talked too much. We got to go to other teams, guys. All right, who wants to do the Adidas implication special? For the record, I'll take uh, Virginia in the Virginia Virginia Tech matchup. Okay. Well, I think we all uh, are. Yeah. We all taking Virginia? I think we should short Virginia Tech this year, guys. Oh yeah, yeah I, I'm excited too. And I think we should. <laughs> and but if, late, they're going to be big. They're going to be big early, and people are going to be like, "Oh, Virginia Tech!" And then that ACC schedule is going to hit, and the whole floor is going to fall. I out. agree. And if uh, we're buying stuff, I think we're buying a lot of Notre Dame this year, guys. I'm excited to <laughs> we'll buy get so to much them. Notre we'll Dame. Get to them. Oh, Mike and I are ready. Michael, you know I'm ready. Louisville, Miami. You guys have the floor. <laughs> the Adidas implications yeah, special. Yeah. Let's get to Louisville. So Louisville ha- is going to still have a ton of uh, long athletic bodies you can throw out on the court. Spalding, Mahmoud, uh, King. Um, Dangadell's back. Yeah. Snyder running the point. Dangadell, right? I-, I mean, they have a ton of talent. The whole, of course, the big thing is the Patino scandal, you know, the recruiting. Um, David Padgett is a coach. I love him as a player. Yes, he tugs on my heartstrings. Right, the, and the word on the street is that they're going to offer him the job. Uh, well, the, and it's it's a good sign. We'll that see they, about that. It's a I'm good sign. There's a season to be played. It's, it's a good sign for the this season, at least the upcoming season, that like the players specifically requested he be made the coach, mm-hmm. and they made him the coach. That's good. I mean, I was really hoping that he would kind of like captain planet this thing with like his all his old teammates from like all the old national championship teams. I want to see like Antoine Walker. Like it just walk in the sidelines, what? you know. Just like. I, I think they're gonna be, I think they're gonna be really good. Okay. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm less worried about all this stuff than people seem to be. Mm-hmm. Are you worried about the matchups on? Well, I seem no. I'm not that worried about it. I seem to see. I, I like see two takes right on this. One is that they're gonna fall apart because all this stuff is a track distraction. Mm-hmm. Two is that like they're gonna rally us against the world and come together and like. That's the worst take I've heard all, all day. You need to do like some X's and O's here, okay? <laughs> no, but I'm saying those are, the, those are the two takes that I have heard out there. And What's your take? Do you have a take? I think 
I think it's going to fall in between, but I think they're going to be pretty good. I mean, I think they're going to be top four in the ACC. They're going to be pretty sure. good. Thank you, Taylor. Let's go to Guthrie. Top give, four in give the us ACC something, is Guthrie. a bold prediction. They're going to be top four in the ACC. They're going to be like third or fourth I, in the ACC. I, so a lot of what Taylor's saying I think is completely correct. Uh, this is going to be a very, very talented team. They have a lot of pieces that they're bringing back. I mean, I mean, just just Spalding, Spalding, like the length with Spalding, Mahmoud, VJ King, uh, is just tremendous. Like you can't, you. Uh, just they're so going to be they're going to be a force defensively. I mean, I I would be surprised if they're not the best defensive team in the ACC. Also, this week on how is he still in school? Quentin Snyder. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. This week on how is he still in school? <laughs> Quentin Snyder. <laughs> All they need, like, let's say VJ King takes over a little bit of the scoring that Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. gave them. Let's sure. say well, Donovan Dale, Mitchell turned say, into a revelation. Thank right, you, Mike, for right. noting let's, that. You, you found it out before yeah. any of us did. And he's tearing it up in the Let's say Dangadell takes a step into like what more people like want him to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's, he's a, shown flashes right, of that, that goes honestly. a long way. Let's say some of those guys go from like playing the way they played for like a few minutes a game last year into like extending that. I mean, they're going to be really good. I, I don't know what's – I don't pretend to know what's going to happen okay. with all this stuff. They're going to be really good. You could say that 10 more times or we can go to Miami, <laughs> right, okay? Yeah, I mean, I think they have the size to compete in the ACC all day long. I think they have the three-point shooting with Snyder. And King, I think his ability off the bounce is – is going to take him to another level. I, I, you know, without Patino, though, you know, it's like what Ken was saying. You know, there there have been no teams that have been in the top five consistently that have um, recently had a coaching change. And, yeah. you know, despite uh, David Padgett's, um, you know, reputation in the Horizon League at IUPUI, which Dewey is Pui. where he was an assistant coach, um, you know, I, I just don't really see him being able to coach against Coach K or Bayheim or so I think that hurts some. I think that hurts some of the. I think that hurts some of the road. I think they can protect the the rums, not the rum center. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it was the rum center. Hey man, I I got alcohol in the mind too. That's all right. Yum, (laughs) yum. I think they protect the yum center. I don't know about Padge on the road, especially after halftime. Yeah, we'll see. I do like him for number four in the ACC. Got to go to Miami. All right, Taylor. Miami. Let's talk about them real quick. Okay, they're losing Reed and Murphy. That's a lot. You know, that's. Basically, the presence of their front court and Reed, of course, a lot of their scoring punch. They still got Jaquan Newton as a point guard. That's a big key returning. And my man, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, player (laughs) of the year candidate. Yeah, that's right. I can't decide whether to put the exclamation point or the question mark first after that statement. Interrobang. I'm excited. What? I said interrobang. Yeah. It's a safe bet. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Bruce Brown is going to be great. He. I mean, even if he Are you takes, sure about that? Yeah. He was amazing Lofty last year. Lofty expectations. Yeah, he's going to be amazing. Lofty expectations. Um, and then... Did, I, he, did he really run the Miami team last year? These are just rhetorical questions. Not I'm be, not saying one way or the other. I'm just trying to get you thinking for No, no, once. no. I got you. So he's not going to be required to run the team because Newton's going to run the team. And I think the more worrisome factor is that Newton kind of has... He will, like, catch fire and take take it over. But, you know, that he also has those moments where he kind of, like... Goes rogue. Yeah, he goes rogue, and it's too rogue. It's, it's He too takes much. the headset off. Yeah, he takes the headset off. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so, and... Okay, I, bottom, I, for them, bottom I would line. be most worried about... Uh, Reed is, like, a big... It's a big problem that they lost him. It's a lot of scoring. But I think more worrisome is that they don't have the front court that Kamari Murphy gave them, kind of like that string. Or Mike's favorite player of the last decade... Right. Are you talking about Tanya Jakiri? Of course I am. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> Raw. They don't. <laughs> they don't have that kind Guys of like interior. Uh, you presence. don't. You don't like Huel. Yeah. Huel so, has potential to be terrific. Wasn't he? Wasn't he like highly yes, touted? He out? was highly touted as a recruit, and then came in and <laughs> was pretty underwhelming of, last year. Yeah, and that makes me suspicious. As like I, a huge fan of Chase Jeter, that kind of narrative is makes me a little suspicious. You guys are forgetting I, the uh, transfer, Miles Wilson from uh, Mount St. Mary's. Yeah, I'm in on the. Oh, I'm, nice. on, I'm in on Mr. Wilson and the two freshmen. He Let's likes. See. He likes the. I like. love likes. Don't give me this. Chris West likes. Coast. I think he's going to be great for that team. He's going to be like Angel Rodriguez 2.0. Oh, nice. Ooh. Maybe not first year, but I, I think he's going to play a part in this team. Uh, but I still am shorting them if you're going head-to-head duel against Louisville. Deal? 
Who's with me? Man, yeah. I I, I, th- I can't make my mind up. This is a, this is actually a really tough matchup. Um, yeah. I. So let's let's I, talk about ACC I, I preseason like rankings. But barely. Okay. What's their schedule look like? I mean, it's, I it's don't fine. know. I'm gonna it's make gotta, us do some research here. So much stuff. It's, it's I mean, they don't have. They really don't have that many tough road games. I mean, their toughest road game is at Notre Dame um, in February, and at North Carolina late in February. So don't you don't you love down, Chris Likes? Did we, do did you mention down that at Little John at Clemson? I, I already said my piece about Chris. Likes. Okay, I, I don't know, it. man. Okay, yeah. one um, one one quick note. Uh, Ibuka Izundu. We did yeah. not talk about him at all. He is back, and he to me he is the guy to to watch for in the front court. Mike's From, new favorite player, dude. He's he's terrific. I think mm-hmm. he's he, gonna have is, a, he's gonna have a big he year. Like of the twenty six foot size shoe, uh, possibly. I right, I, I, I don't know. His no, shoe it was size, like Mike. a modern <laughs> medical miracle that he was able to even like walk. They like had to, <laughs> <laughs> they had to like commission Goodyear to make this man. A so so he had Marquise Bolden syndrome. <laughs> Okay, could be, could be. I have no idea. We didn't really. We sort of did this. Yeah, we did this with the last two duels. Who are you guys going with? I'm taking Louisville. If we're dueling these two, I am also taking Louisville. Oh man! Man, As much as I talked up Louisville, now I feel like I have to be the contrarian here. Do do what you do best. Uh, I'm going to take Miami. Thank you. That's what I wanted. The poor decision. I think they're both. (laughs) I'm also on the Louisville trade, but I think they're both top four ACC teams. Louisville and Miami. There's no there's I'm going to no back room. myself into a corner somehow. There's right. no room. You know election days in the past, Taylor. You don't you don't have to wait until next November. All right. With that said, we got to go It's a swing part. state. We got to go to a part two. This is, I mean, we thought we were going to do it in one, but we were ludicrous thinking that. Okay. Stay tuned. Part two coming up next.